Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 600. Oh, yeah, cool, isn't it? Welcome along to episode 681 of the Milk Bar. Jackson Forest here with you as ever. I've still been doing coronavirus all week, so I've not quite been with it. So on the show, it doesn't. It does, it's, it's still a full show, but uh, it's it's obviously just not quite in the same order as it would normally be. We'll be finding out about 5G when it comes to hospitals and how a brand new hospital trial is allowing them to have greater data communication across a hospital site that's really going to work and uh, improve things for the NHS. So we'll be seeing how that's rolled out. We will be hearing from uh, Grandad John, John Davis, and uh, he's got a few other names you might find him by as well. He's a poet, he's written something amazing, uh, all in celebration of the Commonwealth Games, so we'll be hearing that. Plus, we'll be finding out about She's Royal. We've got uh, Lorna Laidlaw joining us, as well as uh, Tonya Daly-Campbell, uh, we'll be hearing from her, and uh, also three of the cast too. So we'll be meeting with them and finding out about a brilliant show which is on at the Grand Theatre this coming November. That's all on the way on the show this week. On the 1st of November at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, the Black Story Partnership are going to be bringing to life the story of three very special women. The important bit being two of them, though. Lorna Laidlaw joins me now to tell me more about what is going on. Hello to you. Hiya. Oh, thank you very much for coming to the virtual interview. We're doing this from a distance, which is nowhere near as much fun, but you are surrounded by some wonderful props. She's Royal is the show. So explain more about these two important women in history. Right, well, we, um, we're going to be doing a project. Yeah, She's Royal, and it's about Sophia Dulip Singh yep. and Sarah Bonetta Forbes. Now, these two women were goddaughters to Queen Victoria. Um, and what we found extraordinary is that these two women have literally been lost from history, know very little about them. And unless you look for them, you would not know that they existed. Um, they had quite incredible stories. Both of them were princesses and both brought into the royal household. And we wanted to look at that relationship between them and Queen Victoria, but also having a look at how the household reacted to them. Yeah, because I mean, there's gonna... been a lot of story behind all of this for the fact the empire at the time wasn't necessarily known for looking after people of colour particularly well. No, no, but it's also looking at why Queen Victoria felt that she needed to do that, because actually we were in a, a time of slavery, we were in a time of real, you know, turmoil globally. The sun never set on the British Empire. Um, I think Queen Victoria was quite an interesting person. Once her children started to move away from her. She needed something else. She felt like she needed something else. So mm -hmm. it's really interesting. These two young women aren't the only people that she adopted. She had quite, I think there were six or seven other um, people that she uh, had as godchildren. But we're concentrating on these two, simply because, you know, Sarah was taken from Africa, Nigeria, and brought to England. Mm -hmm. um, she was raised from the year of seven in the royal household. Um, we wanted to look at that juxtaposition of her being accepted by Queen Victoria, but also 
how how her being in that building would have affected other servants in the building mm -hmm. um the actual uh, people that she would have associated um because she was part of the royal household there's quite there's quite a lot to take in there queen victoria was quite instrumental in giving her a very very high level of education so she was well versed you know could play a piano she was well educated but still this was a young black woman in a very white household and looking at that juxtaposition looking at sophia she was very, very instrumental in the suffragette movement. Again, mm -hmm. we, we, we never hear about this when we talk about suffragettes. We never think of brown or black people being involved in this movement. As part of the whole story, we've also got um, a community cast. On Sunday, we did an amazing audition, 15 women, all ages, nationalities, shapes, sizes, all turned up for an audition at uh, 10 o'clock. And we worked on freeze frames, talking about these characters, looking how we can get this story told. And it is an all female cast. Um, uh, my hope is that anybody who comes into contact with the production will be female. I think we're in a time where we're looking at, um, you know, I don't think, I was saying earlier on that I don't think anybody would blink an eye at an all male um, production of something, but an all-female still still seems to raise eyebrows. Well, and but, it's uh, part because sometimes you seem to have to work at doing that, whereas, it, it, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. It see, it, it really does feel effortless uh, uh, when it's males, but when it's females, you really do have to work a bit. But what's been really interested is how excited. <laughs> people have got about the prospect of it. I mean, it, it sounds amazing, I mean, and particularly for the sort of stories that we're telling here. We, we, we say we, we're in a time which is not seen in a positive light towards many people of, of colour, but a couple of exceptions. You talked about the, the reaction to those others in the household who may be from a different ethnicity than your standard white uh, member of the, uh, of the, of the team who, who have been there. We're starting to see, uh, hopefully, more sort of sensible integration towards the end of Victoria's reign. Obviously, we're getting to the point at which the UK is becoming as beautifully multicultural as it is now. Um, but they, both these women will have had, essentially, much of their original culture stripped from them to move them into a society and which hopefully accepted them for who they are and had no bearing on the colour of their skin. Uh, yeah, you would think that. <laughs> I think I think that I think it would have been really, I think it would have been really difficult, and I think they would have struggled in that environment. I think they would have had to have been quite strong individuals to to survive. You know, you have parallels with Meghan Markle. <laughs> you know, modern day a woman of color going into the royal household and what controversy that caused in a modern household where we are incredibly multiracial in this country there was still there were still problems whether that came from house people who worked in the household whether that came from the royal family but actually there were still problems and I think as young women in that household in in Queen Victoria's era I can't I can't even begin to imagine you know even me I go into buildings now and still, they are predominantly white buildings in the middle of city centres still now. And I do 
question it and challenge it. But I think I, I can't even imagine, you know, Sarah's parents were killed in front of her. She was seven years old when she got bought into this household. To survive, you would have to have been incredibly resilient, incredibly Absolutely. resilient. But if you've got Queen Victoria on your side, though, that is going to help. It is going to, I think it is going to help. I think uh, the Queen Victoria was quite an extraordinary woman. I'm not going to uh, sort of say that she was the saviour of all this because there was a lot, it's a very complicated picture because you had that juxtaposition of slavery going on while this woman was bringing in people of colour into her whole house into a household. Now, slavery was globally, and Britain had a massive part in that. So it is very, very complicated. And I think what we want to do is have a look at that complexity, but also have a look at young people now looking back in history and going, I had no idea that these women existed. I, they have been lost from history. Queen Victoria is very prominent and I know about her, but actually there are a lot of people in that household that we don't know about. And, and that's what we want to do, bring these women to life. Well, we're just having read the press release though, I've already seen Victoria in a much more positive light than I did. Historically, I'd have thought of her as, yeah, well, she was of that time and I don't mm. see that as an excuse. No. Way at all, but people of that time did some blooming stupid, horrible things. I in no way agree with. Awful things. It was normal at the time. I. No. It's, it's still. It's normal to smoke. I still think that's wrong. And history yeah. look at these things here. It, it, it's small compared to what went on then. But you know, it's the same sort of thing. You. We know that the ideas will change. But yeah. it, 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 the, for the fact he as, as you know, being a, a godmother to these people who you know, thoroughly deserved it from what you're telling me, you know, the way they've been, you know, they've been treating their life. But when you know, so many people were doing so many wrong things and treating people be, as a commodity because of the different colour of their skin uh, instead of as people, it is so much abhorrent stuff's going on, yet this sounds really cool. It, it's, it's, it's fantastic, but I also think that actually distance helps. <laughs> well, yeah, distance helps. If this is not happening on your doorstep and this is not in your vision and not a part of your life, then actually it's really easy to um, not let it affect you. I think um, for Sarah, I think that there's lots of complexities with both of these women. You know, there was a, a, a massive war with Sophia's um, father, um, who was a prince there, um, she, she, um, she lost her parents, um, uh, Sarah lost her parents, these two women were brought into the whole, the, the household, you know, Sophia was determined not to get married, even though it was suggested that she should, she was very defiant about that, Sarah actually did get married and was really, um, trying to please, I think, Queen Victoria, because she has been so instrumental in what she taught her. But I think distance helps, distance in um, what was happening, all the awful things that, was that were happening around the world. But Albert was quite, um, he did talk about the abolition of slavery. He did give talks about that. So mm. there was some knowledge of it. But I also think distance is a real, a really important, a really important thing as well. But I mean, Victoria would have travelled. She'd have been to the overseas territories of the uh, the UK. You you would you would expect was it was it was it any of that in there? 
Well, I, I don't know if we're going to cover all of this. I think we will cover lots of it. I think what we're going to what we're going to try to concentrate on is the household. Is yeah. looking at how those women function in the household. With our community cast, what we want to look at as young, uh, is uh, young people looking back in history and see how this relates to them, how this bit of history has been lost. You know, we're in a time where uh, statues are being toppled. We're discovering about, you know, buildings that had massive connections with slavery because a lot of that history has been lost. It's all started to churn up now. For me, I think that's what really is. And yes, Queen Victoria would have visited lots of places, but Queen Victoria would have been given a very different view of those places than the general public. So I, th I think it's more intertwined with that. It's a very royal view of places. Well, this is gonna be an amazing story to tell. So how is this presented? What happens next? You've got a cast, we've got a date, and uh, we, we, so we, we're going to see a production. So explain what we can see when and how we get to be part of it too. Right, well, they, um, the performances at the ground, uh, it's on the 1st of November. We've got two performances, an afternoon and an evening performances. Tickets are already on sale. So if you want to start buying tickets now, I think it will appeal to a real diverse group of people simply because of the three main actresses. We're also at the Birmingham Hippodrome on the 18th and 19th of October. That came up really slowly, the 18th and 19th of October. So please, please, please buy tickets. I think it will be a really, I think it's going to be a really incredible piece of theatre. But I also think you're going to come away um, learning something that you didn't know. It's, it's, it's absolutely education. Yeah, I think it, it, it's, an, it's a bit of history we need to understand. And I mean, not only so we get uh, an impression of, of where we are now and how we've got here, but also to make sure that a lot of things don't happen again. And uh, they feel so wrong because we know that history is repeating itself in uh, so many horrible ways. Grand well, we'll, we'll get there slowly but surely, but all of us need to work together on that. Absolutely. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. 01902 429213 is the box office number. And uh, it's going to be an absolute uh, treat for all the senses and an immersion into a bit of history that I, I say non, not you wouldn't know. This is not taught in schools. This is something which, again, I think thing we need to know about, need to understand. And uh, who knows where you could be going next with the, with this exploration of this timeline? Who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, this will be a springboard for something else. What I hope is is that actually there will be a lot of discussion in schools. We've got afternoon performances in both venues. So hopefully what we're going to do is encourage school pupils to come to that and there will be follow-up work in the schools. Well, that'd be absolutely brilliant. It's going to be a, an amazing piece of work. Lorna Aidlow, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye. With the Commonwealth Games less than a month away, everybody's thinking about what's going to happen in Birmingham 2022. And of course, don't forget, it involves lots of other bits of the Midlands as well as just the city centre. John Davies has actually written a poem in celebration of the event and joins me now to tell me all about it. Hello, sir. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm good. I hope we're finding you good and uh, looking forward to the events in the next month or so. We certainly are, yeah. Yeah, we went last year to the... Uh... It was a year before, you know, when they started the, uh, they had various people in the Centenary Square. Yeah. And uh, I got a free hat 
and a t-shirt. <laughs> so inspired so, by a free hat and t-shirt, you've now written a poem. So uh, what, what's, <laughs> what's the games mean to you? How, how are you looking forward to it? Uh, well, I've been looking forward to it since they got the uh, since they got the actual games, you know, in the bag. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's um, I actually live in Old Church, which is about thirteen miles from Birmingham. But mm-hmm. uh, my wife's a Brummie, and uh, she's looking forward to it as well. And uh, I think it's going to do good for the region. Yeah, I'm so, totally uh, we've got the the cycling coming through Wolverhampton, and there's other bits of the region involved too. So it really is a big shared event for everybody around here. And uh, I mean, with the poetry, obviously, is this something that you you do a lot of, or is this something that you've you've pulled out of the bag for the games? No, no, I wrote quite a lot of poems and short stories. So mm-hmm. um, I just got the inspiration, and I thought I'll write a poem about it, and uh, so it kind of set me off then. So then why not share that poem with us? Bring us your tale of the games in poetry form. Okay, right, here we go then. (coughs) Are you sitting comfortably? (laughs) We'll let you begin. Right, it's called The Brum Games in July. And uh, I'll go under the name of Grandad John. All eyes are on our city as old Birmingham ventures forth, city of a thousand trades, the Venice of the North, the home of Cadbury's chocolates, restaurants by the score, to set the mood, try Chinese food, by actors so much more. <laughs> the arts are represented, the jewellery quarter too. Football teams are famous, the claret and the blue. The bag is on the north side, safety St Andrew's ground. Bring joy to their supporters when match day comes around. The Hippodrome, the Alex, and a symphony also grand. From the NEC to the NIA, Birmingham takes a stand. Crossroads, Peaky Blinders, all famous on TV. Buildings like the mailbox, a huge library which is free. New Street Station, shopping centres, and of course, Centenary Square. Churches like St Martin's, say hello to Bronze Bully while you're there. You'll find bargains in the ball ring, the markets, the indoor stores, from socks to woolly jumpers and half-priced ladies' drawers. <laughs> There's more than I could mention, plus great music can be found. Black Sabbath, UB40, Duran Duran, Lordy, what a sound. Yes, there's so much more about Old Brum, and I could go on at length, but being a multicultural city is by far its greatest strength. So bring the athletes in July and make our city proud. You're welcome, Bob, wherever you're from. Let's make that message loud. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent work. So, uh, yeah, as Grandad John, that's uh, that, that's your offering towards the games. Have you got uh, poetry published out there that people can find? Um, well, I've self-published on Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just come out. It's called Snowflakes and Rhymes, and uh, I'll go under the name of uh, J. Reuter Davis. It's because there's loads of John Davises out there, so <laughs> I thought I'd do something different, you know. So, if anybody wants to check it out, they can actually lend it on the Kindle Lending Library, mm-hmm. and it's, I say it's called Snowflakes and Rhymes. So there's a couple of short stories in there as well. And I wrote poetry from anything to poems about weather spoons, Primark, uh, the old shed in the garden that's nearly falling down, <laughs> and all sorts of it, and a couple of scary poems as well. So it's uh, something for everybody. And something for all seasons as well. So uh, that that's a good bit of fun. And uh, when it comes to sharing something like that, though, is, oh, is the family proud of you for doing this sort of thing? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I get a bit of encouragement, especially off my wife. But sometimes you get a bit fed up, you know, and she says, go and write a bit more. So, you know, because sort of, I'm retired, so I've got a bit more time to do it. 
And of course, like everybody else, we had COVID and there was nothing else much to do. So it gave me a chance to write a bit more. So there you go. And this brings a book to, as you say, to the Kindle store. Give us the details on how we find you again. Uh, well, it's called Snowflakes and Rhymes, and it's out on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback as well. Or J. Roger Davis, yeah. So J. Roger Davis, and you can find those details there. Or Grandad John, if you're looking out for the uh, the poem on the Commonwealth Games. And uh, long may you continue to be inspired by these events and so much more. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. She's Royal will be appearing at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on the 1st November, telling the story of the Royal household back in Queen Victoria's day and two very special people who came from very different backgrounds to the Queen herself. I'm joined now by four of the team who are part of the production. So I'm going to look to them for introductions. So if we can start left to right, please tell me who you are and what your involvement is. Uh, my name is Ambika Sharma and I am playing the role of Sophia Dilip Singh. I'm Karina Holness, <laughs> and I'm going to be playing the role of uh, Sarah. Uh, I'm Sky Whitney, and I will be playing Queen Victoria. And I'm Tonya Daly Campbell, and I'm the writer of She's Royal. And I mean, let's start with you, Tonya, because uh, obviously this is a, a massive piece of history which many people will not have understood uh, or know about, and it tells an, an amazing story and, and just so unexpected. Exactly. Um, and then that's what really attracted me to this commission and, and to, to get in, involved in writing this piece. Um, for me, I'm always interested in those hidden stories. And I love history, even though at school I was like not really connected to history. But as soon as you leave, you're like, history is everything. History is everywhere. Um, and I just love to tell those hidden stories. And to, to, to know and find out about two women, two extraordinary women of colour, one from the South Asian background, so Sophia Dilip Singh, and another from the African um, community, Sara Forbes Bonetta. Um, her, her original name is Ayana. I, I just think, wow, how is it that we did not know? they existed in the royal household. How did we not know they were the goddaughters of, of Queen Victoria? Now, people would have known at that time, but who tells our stories? Mm -hmm. Who shares the story in the history books? And hence why I have picked up that mantle. <laughs> well, particularly because, I mean, both these names are westernised, yeah, and therefore they have lost a lot of their... Yeah, a cultural identity through their name and had that cultural identity stripped away by being taken into the royal household and very much becoming uh, a part of uh, a, a, what was their version of the firm. Oh, gosh, 100%. I mean, in, in, in the case of Sarah Forbes Bonetta, she was, at, at, she was actually named by Captain Forbes. He gave her his name to her, and the last name Bonetta is the name of the ship that she came over um, to England in with, with Captain um, Forbes because he, she, she, she kind of was taken... Um, she was given as a gift. It's a long story, but she was given as a gift for, um, by King Gezo of Dahomey to Queen Victoria. Um, there's a lot of, there's a, you, know, you have to watch the play, to be honest. 
<laughs> but this is, and, and, and get the whole story. But yes. just yes. the fact, you, you, I, you know, you feel uncomfortable hearing someone was given as a gift and uh, knowing that this is in the family histories of so many Brits these days that this could have happened to their, for, you know, their ancestors. And uh, a horrendous situation when we find ourselves in better days, not perfect days, but better days now, but even so, there's got to be something identifiable for all of us in this story, uh, however, you know, however far we might like to feel we are from the, the events of the time. Exactly. We really, really do. And that's why these two extraordinary women for me, when I read about Sophia Dalip Singh, you know, I'm not from South Asian background, but she lit a fire in me. And this is the this is the beauty of sharing stories across cultures. Mm. It's not about oh this story is only for um you know for Asian or black or white. It's not about that. This is a story of empowerment. Sophia was a suffragette, and she didn't. She got arrested a few times for her the work that the, you know what she did for women's rights. But she was never she was never imprisoned because it would it would have it would have been a, a disgrace for the royal household because of her royal connection. So they could, they never, they, they kind of covered it all up. And um, Churchill, Winston Churchill, he was so angry with her. He just, he was so upset that she was, um, you know, speaking up, speaking up for women's rights, women, women to have the vote. And she, she spoiled her paper um, when, when they were doing the census because she was like, well, no, ta if, if, you know, I'm not paying any taxes unless I get the right to vote. She was fierce. I just love these women, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm loving the sound of it. And if, you know, she's at the grounds on which she's annoyed Churchill, and it's nice to hear royal family privilege being used in exactly the right way. I'm, 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 I'm chuffed with all of this. So what's it going to be like playing Sophia then? Because, I mean, you, you must be looking forward to, the, to taking on this role. I'm honestly so excited to be playing the role of Sophia because she is just so empowering just for all women, not just for South Asian women, but for all women, knowing that she was a suffragette and that she annoyed Winston Churchill. <laughs> I, love, I absolutely love that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a great story to tell and, and, and you're just at the start of the journey of bringing these characters to life. So, I mean, what do you think it's going to be like uh, if you're drawing on you know, the, the story to, to tell this tale? Um, I think drawing on it is going to be really incredible for me. I was, I've been very blessed enough to come from a really pro-black household. So I was aware of um, Sarah from a very young age. But whenever I would bring it up to people, people would think that I was absolutely mad. <laughs> so it's nice to know that it's actually going to be depicted in a digestible way that we can actually educate people uh, mm -hmm. about their existence and what it was like to have this like cross-culture because she was very much... She was very much in the British culture, even though she was um, an African princess born in Nigeria. And um, when she came here, she was very, very small. So she very much has these similar, like conflicting issues that a lot of black British people have today, where it's like, where do I belong? Am I over here? Am I over here? Where am I accepted? Where am I, you know, where am I safe? Um, so it's going to be an absolute privilege. I can't wait. <laughs> and, you know, it's so wonderful that you've said that as well, because it's nice that you you know about that, but there's so many people who just did don't know. Yeah. But also, Sora and Sophia, they were celebrities in 1800. Like, are we serious here? They were celebrities. They had the top celebrity photographers. The press, all of the press yeah. were just rallying around them. And they, they had photographs taken of the time. And they it was just, they were 
absolute celebrities. You're the creative here, Tony. I want to see you recreating their TikToks at some point in the run up to this show. That'd be amazing to see. Oh, you're giving us some good ideas there. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be speaking to the Grand Theatre about that. Scott knows a thing or two about social media. He'll sort you out. But, Sky, when it comes to being Queen Victoria, uh, I mean, th th this sort of stuff must have amused her. I'm sure it, I'm sure it would have done. Um, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to working with this entire team and establishing those relationships as well, because Queen Victoria, I mean, she's often referred to as the grandmother of Europe. Um, and I think her household was quite diverse, more so than perhaps people realise. And she took a huge interest in the cultures across the empire, if you like, yes. and, and personally involved herself in finding out more and keeping herself informed. Um, so there's a, a, a lot, I think, for me to research and discover in addition to what we all feel we already know about Queen yeah. Victoria. Yeah. Um, I don't think the photographs that we have of her do her personality <laughs> full justice. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to unearthing an awful lot about her and her relationship with her goddaughters. Yeah, um, and it, 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 it is an amazing take on it. And again, Tonya, to you now for you know your real thoughts on on how you're going to so get everyone in line and and, uh, and and tell this tale? Well, I think the the main the main um, heartbeat of this of this piece is about the hidden stories of the women of colour. It really is. So, although Queen Victoria is this big um, feature within their lives, actually within this play, she is actually in the background. And I know that sounds really weird, but the the relationship she has with them. Is, is at the forefront, but Queen, the, the, you know, everything to do, the Queen herself and her life, that's not the story that is being told. It's more the relationship that she has with these, with these wonderful women. And, um, and also we're looking at Queen Victoria in, in kind of in a different eyes because through, through a different lens. So we're seeing the side that probably doesn't get documented uh, as often. So I'm kind of like lifting the veil mm -hmm. and beneath that veil, what happens when you're in your own space? When no, you know, we're looking at those moments where you're not, you're not sh showing yourself for the public. What happens, what's happening? behind those closed doors. That's what I'm trying to dig deep into. I'm, I'm, I'm getting really fascinated with that. So we're seeing that Queen Victoria, there's a scene where she's quite, she, 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 she reveals her love for, for Prince Albert um, consort. And, and, you know, she's quite, um, she's quite saucy. <laughs> <laughs> we see those, those sides of, 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 of her, but also we're seeing her, she, how she represents Britain and the M and you know the British Empire in, in a way that although she loves her wards, her, her goddaughter, she loves them dearly, she's still the head and she still will not be moved and she will not, you know, take any, you know, take suffer fools lightly. You know, she's quite a strong character. Um, and then we can see how the moral image of Britain how it actually was all constructed to make sure that Britain looks a certain way. But what happens, what's really, what's really bubbling over? So I'm kind of exploring that, but also what I'm really loving is that we're gonna have a wonderful community cast of women. It's all female production. 
It's going to be fire! <laughs> It is going to be amazing. It is the 1st of November, Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets, 01902 429212, the box office number. But if we want to find out more about the whole project beforehand and, of course, follow you on the socials, where do we go to? Well, you can follow follow me personally or... Yeah, let's start with you <laughs> and you'll you link it from there. The Grand Theatre, the, the Grand Theatre will be putting out lots of different material around the project. Um, and we, um, you can follow us on social. Shall I give my socials now? Give it, it, it? Go. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> give it away. Give it away. Follow me on TonyDailyCampbell.com <laughs> or just Tony Daily Campbell. You can find me on all the socials. And it's just my name, really. Yeah, you are everywhere. You are unique. And it is going to be an amazing production. We're very much looking forward to it being on in the heart of the city of Wolverhampton and telling a tale which say, many won't know about, apart from some people whose families have actually got a decent level of education. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Have a brilliant time. Break a leg. And uh, we are going to have a real treat on stage this November. I look forward to seeing you all, not only then, but in between times, as all the socials and all the other work kicks into it around the story. Oh, thank you so much for having us, honestly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> With the 75th anniversary of the start of the NHS on the 5th of July, our thoughts turn to our health service and, of course, the amazing advantages that have taken place since all those years ago. The first 5G hospital is now in place. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Barbara Yale. Good afternoon to you. Hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. So give me a bit of background to this story, because it, it's seeing new technology doing things we would never have expected when the NHS was first brought about. Absolutely. It's incredible what we find ourselves today. But what is really exciting about this project is the first partnership of the NHS with Virgin Media O2 to provide dedicated 5G mobile network uh, technology and together develop innovative programs that make a difference to the way we deliver care and improve health outcomes for people. So it is about people. So how is it being used? Because communication is one thing, but when you're actually looking at making sure that patient records and the information about patients is moved quickly to help the NHS not only be more efficient, but also for patients to get back into the, the home environment where it's easier for them to, to be and they'll be happier. There's a, there's a lot resting on all of this, isn't there? Absolutely. So the, the value of digital health technologies in the NHS is to give that time back to staff and clinicians to do what they know how to do best, which is, you know, to provide that care. So the digital health technologies take that noise away of all those processes that do are much better if they are automated, for example, so we can work smarter because we're already working hard. So this is smarter and connectivity is key to this success. Because yeah, one of the worst things when you are being discharged from hospital, it's normally waiting for the drugs. The hospital pharmacy have got so much to do and getting the information to them in the best way possible. And this is something you're hoping to alleviate here. Absolutely. So what we do with, with these technologies is to look at the bigger picture. So we look at the patient journey and where each one of us can contribute to make that more seamless experience for people. So when it comes down to you know, the sort of time savings you, you expect here, has it been sort of a, a massive step change as, as it started to come in? So this is a new programme, so we will evaluate all of that. But normally what I say with these technologies uh, is that it gives time back to care. So it adds value to our time as a, as a staff or as a clinician. 
but we're still very busy. We're just working better. Well, this is it. And, and, and the, the more time that you get to spend with the patient, the better, and the, the way in which you can then transmit data around. And because it's 5G, you know it's secure as well. Absolutely. So we've got a, an amazing digital innovation team, which is leading on this. And then we've got all the digital services teams around it. So we make sure that these are secure. You know, cybersecurity is what we do now. We make sure that it's clinically safe and sound and uh, we do have all those backup processes because it does need to be reliable secure efficient you know you name it we are the healthcare but with 5g uh, uh, devices as well that can help monitor patients vital signs uh, is, is that within the hospital or is that when they're also back in the community too so to start with we have this um project within the hospital so when people are with us we will have these handheld devices that will um, monitor all the physical health observations because that's very important for us that parity between physical and mental health and while the you know technology and the connectivity are doing that we can have a you know a valuable conversation with the person based on those conversations and, and the data that's there it might feel a bit star trek when you're working around these handheld devices but actually it, it is it's, it's giving patients confidence because you know better what's going on Absolutely. So all of these, one of the clinical safety features that we develop is user-friendly technology. So you don't need to be an expert or a techie person. You know, you just need to be a professional that cares. And then the technology does it for you. And it presents, for example, in the case of physical health observations, in a way that is a trend, is a graph. So that is very intuitive for us to see if somebody's doing okay or if we need to intervene early. And again, it's about that early intervention, which not only saves the patient time and pain, but also the NHS money for putting something right, which you're allowed to, you're able to spot earlier. Yes. So people, people want to make a difference and want to make a positive difference and deliver the best possible care and improve outcomes. So it's, the technology is all about people. And you wouldn't necessarily have expected something like 5G mobile phone technology that was originally put there to make it easier to watch a film on the go. There's actually making a huge difference to people's physical health. Absolutely. I mean, we couldn't, I couldn't believe this when I heard about it. And I'm so thrilled. And all our team are just over the moon to be able to try this out and learn through the process of this partnership with Virgin Media O2 and share all the clinical benefits with our NHS partners so we can all benefit. Absolutely. What starts as a trial turns into a, a massive scheme that will then roll out nationally. Looking forward to seeing something like this happening in our city too. I know we've already got great 5G coverage, so that's already going to help here as well. So uh, where do we go for more information on this work that's been done and how will we find out more about the trial and the results? Absolutely. So um, I would say Virgin Media O2 will be a, a key person uh, or organisation to contact and also our trust, you know, our communications department will be fantastic in guiding people that want to know a bit more. So look at what's going on on the Virgin Media O2 website. Give that a Google. Add into that South London and Maudsley NHS Foundation Trust and you'll be able to see what's happening there and how this, uh, uh, so many years after the start of the amazing health service that we have, is going to improve things even more and make it even yeah, uh, a better place to be and a better place to work and allow more patients to get well quickly. Yeah, we look forward to that. Sounds amazing. Uh, Dr. Barbara Ayo, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 682 next week. I'll see you then. ta for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye.
Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.